Hello and welcome to Think About Eurovision, a Eurovision podcast with me, Chris, a Eurovision fanatic, but a junior Eurovision newbie from the UK. And me, Kim, also a junior Eurovision newbie from Canada. Um, we've just finished watching the 2020 Junior Eurovision Song Contest. It's our first experience of watching a show live together, but remotely, over the internet. And it literally finished 15 minutes ago and we're already recording. Yeah, I really liked the experience of watching it live um, to have you like there to just, you know, make comments to like we we're watching it together, even though we're apart. And then to uh, also watch um, and read the live tweets, I thought was really fun too to kind of get like a full, you know, in the moment experience for the first time. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was uh, good. And uh, you were enjoying going through Twitter and reading all the rumors and slanderous Oh, I know. There was some scandal. There was a little bit of controversy for this junior Eurovision. Um, but first, before we get into all of that, I I have to say that I was very impressed with the way that they handled the restrictions that were an inevitability because of COVID nineteen. There were there was um, some of the performances remote were remote. There was holograms. There was uh, I don't know. They like made use of a variety of different techniques. But overall, I felt like it came off pretty seamlessly what were your thoughts on that yeah I, I can't disagree with that i mean i i know for a fact that a lot of the um there were four of the 12 acts recorded were, were recorded in warsaw in poland and the other eight were all in their respective countries and if i wasn't um if i wasn't really paying hard attention to it if i wasn't aware of that i would have assumed that it was on the same stage I agree. Yeah. I mean, there were some moments where you could tell that they were green screened, particularly in the um, uh, like the montage at the end or what you call it, where all of the performers came together and and like lip synced at the end, just like they did in the 2014 one. Also, you could tell there was some green screening there. But in other instances, for instance, when they did the song Arcade and Duncan Lawrence, Lawrence, he, yeah, he was like a hologram and we definitely second guessed it that we were like, is he, is he there? Is he not? Like it was so well done that you, you almost couldn't tell. And I agree that, I mean, I, I wouldn't have known which performances were th- in Poland and which ones were not. Like, I think they did a really good job. Oh yeah. Um, and then overall, I thought the performances were really high caliber too. I did enjoy these songs more than the 2014 one, which is the only other junior Eurovision that we have watched um, start to finish. So it's, you know, inevitably going to be a point of comparison when I'm talking about this one. And I really enjoyed 2014, but I think I liked the 2020 performances even more. Yeah, my, my scoring has definitely been more generous for uh, the 2020 competition. Right. So now I know that we are both scoring as we went, Chris, and um, I tried to do it in the method that you do out of 100, but I couldn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) So I did my scoring as if I were awarding them points like a jury member. So I did one through seven and then eight, 10 and 12. Uh, So I have, you know, I do have them in order as I knew you do too of like my top versus my bottom, but my, my score is not out of 100, but I don't think that makes 
that that's a that make doesn't make a difference for the just for whatever works for you whatever yeah. works for you right <laughs> i don't know why i thought it's so hard to do out of 100 but as i was going through i was like i don't know what i'm doing i'm just gonna score one through 12 uh yeah so i mean for anyone who's not watched junior eurovision 2020 yet we're gonna be discussing some spoilers i think we should point that out now right that is true we're the first the time we've got to deal with spoilers yeah, I mean it's true. Like it's a whole different ball game when you're when you're talking about something that literally is happening live or just happened. Everything else has been like years old. <laughs> so if you've not seen Junior Eurovision but you plan on watching it, stop the podcast now. Go watch it and come back. Yes, uh, that is a very good point. Uh, unless you want to be spoiled entirely, come back and listen to this after. Yep. I mean, if you're a Eurovision fan. You're on Twitter, more than likely. You probably know the result by now because that's what us Eurovision fans do. We talk about Eurovision constantly, incessantly, nonstop. That's right. <laughs> I mean, uh, like, not a thing wrong with having a passion for uh, for a hobby. And like Eurovision, there is no shortage of things to discuss. Uh, like, there's just so, so much that you can dig into. So there you go. Right then. Well, let's actually dig into it because we've got to discuss our tops and our bottoms and who won. Right. So Okay, well only twelve performances. I almost think that we could we could, you know, really touch on all of them with so few performances. I, I think we really could, yeah. Um I, I mean, let let's start with favourites first. So who did you have as your number one? So I was very far off from where the voting was going from where the voting landed and even where I thought the voting was going to go. So my number one was Georgia. I did not think that Georgia was going to win and they did not. <laughs> um, the uh, the act that I thought was going to win also didn't. So like shows what I know. So but, who did you think um, was going to win? I thought that Belarus was going to win. Um, and I had Belarus as number two in my top three. So I had Georgia as my number one, Belarus as number two, and Spain as number three. Um, so, so yeah, I know that Georgia was not one of your favorites, but for some reason, that one just sort of spoke to me. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Georgia, I, I mean, it's not one of, I didn't dislike it. It came in number four for me. So just oh. outside my top three. I mean, we scored pretty well in line then, I think, because I know that Belarus and Spain were also a couple of your favorites. Yes. Um, so, I mean, I mean, the costume was a choice for Georgia, all those flowers. I liked it. I thought it was really cool. <laughs> it was someone really weird. On, someone on Twitter compared it to a costume that Lady Gaga wore at some point, which is true. It's, it was very similar. But I also thought that the dancers for the Georgian um, entry were very cool. They used these... It was almost as if they had like stockings over their face. It was a nude colored mask yeah. um, that the dancers were wearing, which I thought was very smart. It was very unobtrusive. Like you could barely tell that they were wearing masks. And yet, you know, it it makes sense that people are wearing masks these days. It I just did. thought that, yeah, overall it was, it was a, a good performance. I thought she had very good vocals. I liked the song a lot. I found it uh, impactful. Like I felt... I felt myself really being drawn to it. Yeah. Um, no, I, I did like that one. I mean, those masks, sort of, face masks that they were, the uh, dancer were wearing, kind of made them look like Doctor Who monsters. <laughs> if you like, oh, right. <laughs> sentient sort of flowers. Right. Um, sort of flower people without mouths, sort of uh, 
attacked the doctor and um, her fam. I know. I mean, but I have to say, I would take those weird Doctor Who monsters over the weird, creepy children, like holding globes <laughs> from <laughs> Belarus's performance. That those those were some those were some creepy children. <laughs> that, that is in my notes for creepy kids. Yeah. I mean, kids are usually pretty creepy, but you know they they were <laughs> no. really creepy, especially one with like the red eyes look like she'd been crying. Oh, no, I mean, like, that was definitely some children of the corn level, like, vibes, but, um, but overall, so, was Belarus your number one? Of course it was. Yes, okay, so, um, and, and my number two, so clearly, like, creepy kids aside, we liked this performance a lot, and, um, you know, tell us why this was number one for you. It was, like, really cool, like, modern pop music, with, like, a bit of dark edge to it. Which, yeah. you know, for kids sort of doing something like that, like, that felt like an adult song. It did. Except for the creepy Children of the yeah. Corn kids. That was actually something that we talked about as we were watching it, which is that I almost found myself holding it against them when the performance felt childlike. And then I had to check myself a little bit because I was like, okay, well, they are children. There's nothing wrong with it being childlike. But there were some performances I thought Belarus was one that it definitely felt very mature. It felt like an adult performance. And so I then was like comparing them between this is mature and this is immature as if that was good and bad. But I had to like remind myself like these are children. It is junior Eurovision. I shouldn't be counting it against them because it's childlike and I mean that is very evident by the fact that France won France was in my opinion one of the more um not immature in terms of performance because she performed very well the song was incredible but it in terms of like this sort of cotton candy pop type vibe it definitely reads younger and there isn't anything wrong with that like more adult adult doesn't necessarily mean better. It was just sort of a different vibe. I mean, I don't think Salvador Sobral from Portugal would approve. Oh no! <laughs> I mean, I could I could definitely feel music. feel him being judgy about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, but it, like you know, fun and and childlike is still great. And yet at the same time, um, I don't think that there were any performances that had that what you described as like nails on a chalkboard voice, like no. un- undeveloped voice that we um, had a little bit of in 2014. So this was kind of like a nice mixture of a variety of different styles, but all with strong performances. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, there were a couple that had moments of childlike voices. Uh, Malta, for example, when she started singing, but then it came, she got control of her voice. Um, but no, I mean, Belarus, that that song could have been in adult Eurovision, for sure. And it would yeah. have been out of place. I agree. I thought that it was, I thought that it was very good. Um, you know, just like, you know, some powerful high notes and stuff. You know what I mean? It's like when the, when the music like crescendos and she's just like belting it out, it really feels super impactful. And, um, just kind of like the overall vibe, creepy kids aside, I loved this like oversized coat that she was wearing with like all of she looked like a cool kid. She looked cool, yeah. Yeah, so I really like that too. And She's now, definitely hanging out at the park, making all the friends, passing out the white cider. Because that's what I imagine all <laughs> kids do that age. Okay, now I know we both have a very, like... We both reacted very strongly to Spain. Oh, yeah. Like, Spain slapped. I loved it. It, it was my number two. 
Yeah, it was my number three. And I really kind of debated debated putting it higher. I don't know why. The reason why I, I think that it's something that I need to get past a little bit where I always kind of um, lean towards this like big production ballad type deal. And I don't give enough uh, credit to a, a just like a really good pop song. But this was a really good pop song. I mean, she was tiny and she was sort of doing this really sort of cool pop number. Like she's, I mean, if she grows up and stays in the music industry, she's going to be a proper sort of diva, I think, sort of, uh, at least in Spain, she'll be massive on the music scene there. If she continues on that sort of trajectory, she could, again, another one, I think, and, you know, I, I don't know how old she is, but, you know, sort of five, six years time when she'll be old enough to enter adult Eurovision. Yeah. She could come, could come up, she could come in with like a proper sort of summer hit kind of song. I mean, again, it was sort of modern. It was different to a lot that had come before it. Um, yeah, it did. I, I, it felt like a bit of a breath of fresh air um, because uh, we had just heard, I can't remember exactly the order of the performances, but I We'd think had we had Russia before her. Right. Okay. And then I think Malta before that. So we had yeah. just heard kind of a couple of back to back sort of ballady, you know, standing um, stationary in dresses and giving a great performance, but very similar type. And then, you know, Spain just comes in as a breath of fresh air with her fringe tracksuit, which like give me that for Christmas <laughs> and and just, you know, blew us away with this really fun pop song with great choreography. Like I thought it was really, really well done so if any uh, listeners want to send kim a christmas present a <laughs> baby blue fringe tracksuit thank you so much uh that's all i want for christmas santa um so then in terms so our top uh between the two of us we have now in our top three georgia belarus and spain who rounded out your top three uh the country that did the worst germany <gasps> you you're king really no, i liked it yeah. Um, I mean, I like it, and it still wasn't my favourite song that Germany could have chosen, uh, but I just really enjoyed it. Um, it was a very sort of, you know, we can get through this vibe, I think you said. Um, yeah. You know, it was very 2020, but it was a sleeper for me. So before the sort of recap of the songs, it was probably about middle of a pack, and then I was going through my scores thinking, nah, this is really growing on me now. And it you came third. You know what's so funny? I did the opposite. It was really high for me. And then in the recap, I really brought it lower. Wow. It's not too funny. We both like, (laughs) we both switched positions on the recap, but entirely opposite directions. Yeah. um, No, I mean, like I've said it previously, they had a better song they could have chosen, but it's not what was selected. Um, I, I think Germany with the, I can't remember the name of the song that I preferred. I think that would have done better. It was more upbeat and poppy. So they don't have semifinals, though, for junior Eurovision, do they? No. They so so how do you know of this song? It was their um, internal selection process, um, oh, or the national selection process. I can't remember how they selected. But they had sort of a... There was three or four different artists, and they, had, they all did a, ver- a version each of two songs. I see. So then they selected the song and the artist based on that. 
Well, I think between the two of us, we did not uh, <laughs> we did not do a good job of sort of aligning with the overall results at all. So like in our top four, the uh, country who placed the highest is Spain, who came in third. Belarus came in fifth. Uh, Georgia came in sixth and Germany came in dead last at 12th. <laughs> So we were a little bit all over the map in terms of what we liked versus uh, the official results. But like with only 12 entries, I mean, you know, it's kind of any like any person's game, right? It it Absolutely. really makes a difference when you only have 12. Yeah. Um, not a single one of my results aligned with the final results. Mine either, I don't think. Um <laughs> Yeah, I did not have France anywhere near the top, frankly. I had them um, ninth. I had them seventh. Yeah. So pretty much middle of the pack. Middle of the pack. Yeah. um, I mean, I think France had the benefit of being the last um, act of the uh, 12. That sometimes can give you an advantage. Yeah. And that la 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 as you imagine is a yeah. hook. It's a hook. Yeah, for sure. And I really liked the overall production. Like I said, I mean, it definitely feel, felt more uh, childlike, which is a bit of a difference from some of the other ones. And yet, I mean, like, I really liked this overall bubblegum pop aesthetic it was like rainbows and unicorns she had this like adorable pink uh fuchsia dress i mean they really did a great job of like pulling the whole thing together which i will contrast with poland which was like they just threw spaghetti at the wall (laughs) they just had like a little bit of everything they had the most random sort of presentation of stuff um that we had like i don't know Guys in tracksuits doing the Running Man live and then digital dancers and then a, another guy who was wearing like a basketball uniform and he <laughs> came out. I don't know. It was like, what? It was not a cohesive performance in terms of the look and the props and the, you know? Choices were made and not one of them made any sense. Right. Choices were made. And then inexplicably, the performer went from a white dress to a red dress. And I did not see how or when that happened. I don't know if that was like a cut between performances. Because so let's talk a little bit about the controversy, should we? Yeah, because I mean, you mentioned the sort of change of the white to the red dress. I would have imagined that it could... I know they did, like... I think they did three takes of their performances and they could select from the best one. So, to me, I didn't see it happen. So, I I, I assume it must have been a physical effect using, you know, some sort of quick change costumery and sort of camera placement to do it off screen or whatever. Because, to me, in the moment, it felt like a video editing, uh, you know, effect. But it couldn't have been. It, I, I don't think... I'm aware that um, someone from the EBU was present for all the remote recordings. Right. So they all adhere to the rules, all those um, pre-recorded performances. Yes. So So. this is the controversy. And although I bring it up when we're talking about Poland, Poland was not one that was specifically named. But I like full disclosure, I'm not really well versed in what the, you know, 
uh, accusations are of what was done. But my understanding is that there were a lot of people tweeting on um, on Twitter <laughs> throughout the performances about um, some countries using playback. And those countries were France, um, Belarus, and Russia. And so from what I understand... Uh, from what I understand, that although the performances that we were watching here on Sunday live, they were um, live performances unedited. That's my understanding. But yeah. that, but that prior to today, what was released for the the jury judging was. Um, it had vocal playback, so it was not the live vocals that was that was uh, submitted, which apparently is against the rules and would have impacted the you know the judging potentially because they were not comparing live vocals to the live vocals. In those cases, it was playback vocals. So I have no idea whether or not this is true, but there is an article that I read about it and then a lot of buzz on on Twitter about it. So that was the controversy as far as I understand it. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm skeptical. Uh, I know that uh, last year there was a lot of controversy saying claiming that the reason Poland won two years in a row was because of Polish people sort of using bot accounts to farm votes. Mm. But then we heard a song that she, she did at the beginning. That was a oh, great song. That, that was a great song. Yeah, that was a winning so, song for sure. I'm going to wear my skeptical hat and say um, these it needs evidence, much like Donald Trump's evidence of voter fraud. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need some substantial evidence before I believe any of it. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, this was, um, it's all pretty unsubstantiated as far as I can tell. And actually, um, remind me the name of the performer from France, Valentina? Uh, Valentina, yes. I believe Valentina. So I cannot imagine that it was actually her tweeting because it was in the middle of the live show. And so unless she was tweeting from the green room, this was probably somebody on her account tweeting on her behalf. But she said in the middle of all of it, she said, I'm actually kind of flattered that you think that this was a playback performance because it means you couldn't hear my nerves because it was live um in any case uh although i mean we're referring to two different things she's referring to the performance today which we all agreed was live and it was the previous judging submission that was not but either way you're right like i i didn't see anything in the way of evidence other than people just saying like that it it appears as if there was like lip syncing or playback or whatever yeah and and I mean, I, I did watch the uh, three-minute sort of recap video that people could do votes uh, uh, vote on from Friday. To me, it didn't sound any different to what we've heard today. But obviously, okay, yeah. you know, it's been a few days since I heard that. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, um, obviously, uh, it didn't, you know, like... It didn't make that big of a difference anyway, in in my opinion, even if it did occur. Because although France did win, um, France won particularly because of the the voting today, which would have been with this controversy known and with um, you know the live performance being what we watched today, and then um, Belarus and Russia didn't score particularly well, so. I don't think that it... I, it's kind of a moot point in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, France, I think they won the both the jury and the public vote. 
So yes, they did. Yeah. So even if they had not won the jury vote, though, I think the math would still have been in their favor. Like even I mean, I guess it depends on how far down they would have been. But like, I think that they they had almost double the number of um, public vote points than any other performer. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kazakhstan had 69 public votes and France had 112. Exactly. Um, which uh, so the way that the public votes was calculated, it there's a total of 696 votes, and they basically got a split of the percentage. So, um, so for example, Germany got 39 points, which equaled about five percent of the public vote. Got it. So, um, I I'm not going to try and do the maths because one of the established fact of this podcast is I can't do maths. Uh, but you know, it would have been a considerable amount of the votes that went to France. Yes. Wasn't us though, <laughs> right? Yeah. In any case, that was the controversy, and now you know we don't know whether or not that's true, so we can just set it aside now. But uh, but that's what that's what Twitter was all up in arms for, anyway. Yeah. Um, okay, why don't we talk about the our least per, our least favorite performances? Yeah, I mean, I mean, back in um, so when we did twenty fourteen on my metric of um, one to hundred. The fewest points I gave was 20. Um, and I wasn't that mean this time. I gave the, the few, fewest amount of points I gave was to Serbia, who I gave 40 points out of 100. And everything was up from there. Um, you know, none of the songs I disliked. Again, Junior Eurovision is doing well of making songs that I don't hate. Yeah, I agree. I thought all the songs were good. I didn't hate any of them. Uh, Serbia was also my bottom, um, though it was more to do with kind of a lack of energy in the performance than with me disliking the song. I thought the song was good. And I thought the performer was fine. It was just uh, a little lackluster uh, compared to the other ones for me. But you're right, like, all the songs were good. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're really in tune with Junior Vision, aren't we? I know, much more in tune. In Adult tune. Eurovision, we go complete separate ways. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. But maybe that is a thing to do with, you know, our age. You know, the fact that Junior Eurovision, we have to remember, isn't for us. It's for teenagers across Europe right. and the world. That is a tar- target market for a lot of the music. And it's it's great that we enjoy it as adults. It's like one of my other interests is Doctor Who. A lot of people complain about, you know, Doctor Who not being... Uh, as dark or you know that they say that the stories are too childish and some doctor who fans were like you know in their 50s and 60s like guys this is a family show aimed at families and kids it's not for you if you enjoy it that's great yeah um so yeah i've got to bear in mind that you know this isn't a show made for for me as an adult so i wonder if that we're both adults that is why we kind of prefer the sim- similar music and we've not rated the more bubblegum pop as highly. I think that that's probably very true. You're right. I mean, like all that, when we're judging adult Eurovision, we are both adults with different tastes. And so those tastes come through. But what we have in common is that we're both adults. So our tastes are kind of through that lens. And I think that it makes sense maybe that uh, we are more in line here than than otherwise. Yeah. Can I um can I tell you a quick aside? I don't yeah. know if this is an interesting story or not, but um I uh went to um Comic-Con in San Diego. This was in 2012. Um have you ever heard of San Diego Comic-Con? I have, yes. 
It is, it's huge, right? I, we almost did not know what we were getting into. And so we were in this huge auditorium and we got seats like right up at the front. Um, and we were there all day. So we were just sort of like there were panels coming in one after the other. And then all of a sudden, I didn't even know what was happening, but all of a sudden, this huge auditorium of about 3,000 people just went absolutely wild. And these people came out on stage and I had no idea who any of them were. And, um, it was the Doctor Who panel. (laughs) And I didn't know, I didn't know who they were. Like I had heard of Doctor Who, but I couldn't pick any out of a crowd. Right. But the absolute fanaticism that like went off in that auditorium, it was beloved by everyone. And I had no idea what was going on. But um, yeah, it was a really fun panel. And the cast was incredibly like um, charming and delightful. Yeah. I can't. 2012, I think that would have been uh, Matt Smith. Matt Smith. Yeah. Yep. With Karen Gillan and. Um... The guy who played Rory, whose name I can never remember. <laughs> yeah, Karen Gillan was there too. And yep. uh, I had no idea who they were at the time, but but since I know who they are now. But um, but anyway, yeah. So you are not alone in your absolute love for Doctor Who. Um, I, I, I just didn't know who they were, but I know who they are now. That's good. Maybe we should start a side podcast where we watch Doctor Who together. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I'm down. Um... So yeah, we've both put uh, Pitar um, from Serbia at the bottom, but again, not a bad song. It's just not our cup of tea. That's right. So um, who was your next least favourite? It was uh, Malta, uh, Chanel Monsignor with Chasing Sunsets. I liked this one a lot better than you did, but I knew it didn't score well for you. So tell us why you didn't like this one. Um, so, at first, her vocals were a bit childlike. There was a moment of ch- nails down the chalkboard, but then she got into terrible X-Factor vocal habits, sort of embellishing the notes. Uh, so she <laughs> sort of sang, there were birds roaming furry. Furry. I don't like that. It's free. I didn't notice that at all. Um, yeah, didn't didn't care for the uh, vocal embellishments. I'm, I'm, I'm not a big fan of... Uh, breaking up notes uh, in songs she sort of should slide into it but she did that uh rather than uh kind of that makes sense to me i think right i did not hear a difference in the two examples you just made i'm not gonna be i'm gonna be honest but um but yeah i can i can see that maybe i think that like her performance was not quite at the caliber of of some of the other performers i had a very similar initial reaction to this as you did i think when we were watching i actually made the comment that i feel like there is kind of two categories of performances in this show there are those that have like the big drama of a eurovision performance and then others that feel a little bit more like a school recital where they're just kind of standing stationary there isn't much drama um, and whatever. And so that's what I said about this one uh, in the first few seconds. And then it really grew on me as the song progressed. So I scored this. It definitely got better. Yeah. It got better over time. Yeah. I scored this middle of the pack, um, but I definitely moved it. My gut was to put it near the bottom and then I consciously moved it up after um, hearing the whole thing. So yeah, I can I can see that for sure. Yeah, um, and then above that, for the second time in a row, I've put the girl group uh, third from the bottom. 
So this time, uh, Unity with Best Friends from the Netherlands. Um, again, that's that's third from the bottom, just like uh, the Peppermints from San Marino were third from the bottom for 2014. Right. I can't remember where I put the Peppermints, but I think it was right around the same place. And I scored uh, the Netherlands second from the bottom, so even <laughs> a little bit worse than what you you did. So we're not we're not loving the girl groups in Junior Eurovision, apparently. No, but it was. It, I mean, that was probably the most Eurovision of performances out of a whole lot. If you sort of take into the fact that they had props of the uh, four doors that they were interacting with, I did enjoy that. Yeah, I thought that the four doors were fun. I thought they did a better job, frankly, than the Peppermints in 2014. I thought they were a very good girl group. It just, I didn't like the song quite as much as some of the others. It wasn't as impactful a performance for me. Like, it was good. It was fine. Um, but just uh, just wasn't at the same caliber, in my opinion, as the others. But there's nothing wrong with what they did. No. I mean, this reference means nothing to you because you haven't seen the 28 contest, but it reminded me of a Moldovan performance for, from 2018, uh, Do Dos, with My Lucky Day. I don't think... We've not done it in 2018, have we? No, I don't no, know that haven't. one. Yeah. Um, so there was uh, six of them, uh, three singers and three backing singers, and they interacted with like a sort of wall with doors and panels in it. So it reminded me slightly of that, uh, but you know, it also made me think of uh, the Beatles' house. You know where the Beatles house in that old Beatles film where they live in like the houses next to each other, and they walk through the doors, and then inside it's all the same house. No, I've not seen that. I mean, I hope this isn't something I've just dreamt, but I'm sure it's a, an old Beatles <laughs> film. I haven't seen it, but I will take your word for it. I feel like it might be the Beatles' hard, hard Day's Night film, but I'm not a fan of the Beatles, which is a terrible thing to say as a music fan. Who lives in the UK? I mean, complete take a leave of Beatles. They're fine. That that is probably a controversial statement. <laughs> they're not bad. They're fine. They're okay. Some of the songs are good. Some are awful. Like the Beatles, meh. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, my third from the bottom was Poland, which we've already discussed a little bit. Which I thought the song was fine, but that the overall performance was like all over the place with some weird decisions uh about the backup dancers and the you know digital dancers whatever i just thought, found the whole performance kind of weird hello i just want to say thank you for all your support listening to the podcast through this first series uh this series is coming to a close um, but we have got a Christmas special coming up which we'll discuss more towards the end of the episode but if you are enjoying it please do give us a review on Apple Podcasts if you use that make sure you subscribe and follow us on Twitter at ThinkAboutEuro on Facebook facebook.com forward slash ThinkAboutEurovision and also find our website ThinkAboutEuro.vision anyway back to the main podcast bye la 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 so we've only got three more songs that we've not discussed. Um, so let's just take them in um, in order of how they came in the contest. Um, so we've not discussed uh, Kazakhstan, who came second, which surprised me. I didn't rate it massively. It came completely middle of a pack at number six for me. Yeah, it came in uh, fifth for me. It actually was uh, near the top for quite a while. And then 
I just sort of had some others that that grew on me a little bit more than this one. But I scored it very highly to start, and then it was just kind of a fight for the top. So it came in sixth, but um, I'm sorry, it came in fifth for me. But um, you know, but I I really enjoyed the performance. I thought it was very emotion, like emotive. The yeah. performer emoted a lot. The wings, I thought, you didn't love the wings, but I thought they were fun. Um, I rolled my eyes so hard, I pulled a muscle. <laughs> she had this big, beautiful gown that was all lit up. And then the performance, the vocal performance was very strong. So I thought Kazakhstan did a wonderful job. I'm not, I'm like, I'm not shocked that they scored very highly in the vote. No, I mean, for me, the, um, the bit with the protection onto the dress, I'm sure I've seen it been done before in a adult Eurovision. Mm. It felt, um, as I say, yeah, it felt like it'd been done before. So it didn't sort of make me go, wow. Um, I'll have to find and put in the show notes which which uh, song it was that has done it before. But I'm yeah. certain. I think it was an Estonian song. Yes. Uh, yeah, and I've seen, like, I mean, like, Claire Danes wore a dress like that to the Met Gala one year where she was um, completely lit up. The dress had lights built into it or whatever, which was really cool, whatever. But you're right. It's not something that has never been done before. No. Uh, so next in the, um, we have uh, the Ukrainian song, um, Alexander um, with Open Up in his little uh, suit and uh, suit turtle and turtleneck. <laughs> Um, I, I liked this. I scored it number four, um, on my list. So I thought it was a really good performance. I thought his vocals were great. The song was fun. I really liked it. I thought, <laughs> so like I, I, as I've mentioned before, I do little notes to remind me of which performance was which. So like Georgia, I put flowers, Belarus, I put weird children. And for Ukraine, I put pantsuit and turtleneck. <laughs> It was it was definitely like a memorable look. I mean, I'm going to bring you back to Doctor Who. He looked like one of the Ood. Um, I don't know what that is. <laughs> his little glowing orb. Uh, so the Ood are an alien race. Uh, they're very. Um, they, they were enslaved by the humans um, in the future, and they, the Ood, natural Ood, have a have a secondary brain that they hold in their hands, which makes them very sort of placid. And they're very trusting, as anything with a brain in its hand would have to be. And they wear turtlenecks? Uh, but humans uh, cut off their brains and replaced it with like a glowing orb, which translated their... Because so, their ood communicate uh, sort of telepathically. But it communicated, um, it, it translated their telepathic thoughts into audible sort of thoughts and speech. Uh, so yeah, they, they hold like a glowing orb. All, at all times when they've been butchered by humans. So all I could think of was like, is he an ood? <laughs> I don't I don't know that I get the Honestly, I'm not I'm not Doctor Who obsessed, honestly. <laughs> I um I'm gonna have to Google what that what an ood looks like because I'm having a hard time picturing it. But um it was definitely a look either way. <laughs> yeah. What did you think of Ukraine's performance? Like it like was, pantsuit aside, I mean, I'm not far from you on the score there because I, I I scored it fifth. Um, it was a good song. It it was the the clothing choice was a, a um distracting at times because like let let kids dress their age. Come on, style. Right, yeah. <laughs> like what are the stylists up to? What kid dresses like that? Yeah. None of them. 
Yeah, but overall, I thought it was I thought it was very good. And what place did they come in on the official voting? They came in at seventh. Oh, so we both liked it better than the than the official votes. We did indeed. And then is the last song Russia? Russia. So Sofia Faskova with My New Day. Yes. I scored this very middle of the pack. And um, as I just said, I put little notes next to each to remind me which one is which. And Russia's I left blank. There was nothing so memorable about it that I could even think of a descriptor to kind of like make it stand out for me. So I think that that kind of speaks volumes, which for me, it was like, good. It was good. Yeah. um, Russian Disney princess song. Oh, yeah, that that makes sense. That's a good descriptor. Um, You know, it could have been in that animated uh, movie of Anastasia Mm. and wouldn't felt out of place. Um, Powerful vocals. I can appreciate that. Yes, very good vocals, but you're right. Did not excite me at all. Yes, I agree. So I um this was seventh for me. Yeah. Um I put it at ninth. It yeah. and my score out of one hundred, fifty. Right, right down the middle. Right down the middle because I had, the back. I didn't hate it, I didn't love it, I, I have no emotions for it. It was um, you know, my feelings towards it were cold. Yes. Yeah. Like fair Russia. Enough. Like Russia. <laughs> um, well, that that is all 12. So I think that our takeaways are that um, we liked all of the songs. We're mostly aligned, which was not at all where they fell in the actual voting. But overall, 12 very good performances. Nothing wrong with any of them at all. Yeah. Ones that I preferred, but again, not, there was nothing that polarized me like, you know, there is in adult Eurovision where there's always songs I'm like, that is a pile of steaming garbage. <laughs> right. None of that. Okay. Everything was appropriate and good. So let's move on then to talk a little bit about the the other aspects of the show. Um, yeah. What about the postcards? The postcards were uh, interesting. So uh, the first one, the um, uh, Susan uh, met a doctor. So I yeah. thought, oh, are these all COVID related? And right. then it's like, not necessarily, but they seem to be all meeting key workers. So one met a, obviously Susan met a doctor, someone met a postal worker, um, someone met a scientist, they met uh, delivery drivers, and then I think Poland met a salesperson. So I really for a spanner in the works, because no salespeople aren't essential workers. Well, I guess it depends on what they're selling, right? I, I mean, mean, if they're selling vaccines... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, like if, for instance, they are, uh, you know, working retail at a hardware store where someone requires something in order to keep their water running, then I don't know, you know, like it's debatable. But yeah, I have to say that like it took me longer than it should have for for me to put the pieces together about like what the overall um, sort of like focus was in these postcards. And then they had the dancing in between with, um, you know, like the dance troops in different colors and whatever i didn't garish outfits <laughs> yeah i mean so um so highlighting um essential workers in a uh year when covid is obviously uh top of everyone's minds i think makes perfect sense and i really enjoy that sen- sentiment um the postcards themselves though i didn't i didn't love you know, a ton. They weren't my my favorite in terms of the way they were executed, but I think that they were uh, very appropriate in terms of sentiment. 
Yeah, and, and I kind of enjoyed some of the chiptune music that was going along with the uh, postcards. Yeah. That was cool. Um, yeah, so, so, um, so you know, overall, uh, well done with the postcards. And then how about the hosting? I was disappointed with the hosting because you give me free hosts, I want something awkward and terrible, and it wasn't. <laughs> there was very little awkwardness in this one. I think maybe it was because they couldn't go and, like, shove a microphone in the performer's faces in the green screen and stuff. <laughs> oh, my God, though. Can we talk about poor Georgia just <laughs> sitting alone in their green room? Like, oh, they're... <laughs> I know. And the name of the song that she sang is You Are Not Alone. <laughs> well, she was in her remote green room. I know. And so there's this one long shot where I don't even know if she was on if she knew she was on screen where she was just sort of like sitting alone in a chair downcast and like not like barely moving. And that is now fully a meme that is on Twitter that everyone was like a 2020 a mood. And it's just a picture of this Georgian performer sitting alone in the green screen. Terrible. Like so bad. So and then. When the points were awarded and they would go from like, you know, shot to shot of each country really celebrating with their whole entourage for each point being awarded. And then Georgia just like celebrating by herself. Someone, why, why was no one there to help Georgia celebrate? It was terrible. Maybe Georgia are taking COVID very responsibly. I mean, fair, it was interesting fair, fair. to see the different responses to COVID in the different green rooms. So Kazakhstan, they were all sat slightly apart, wearing face visors yes. rather than masks, except the bloke lifted his towards the end. And then some countries were clearly physically distancing, and then some were cheek to cheek, especially France when they wore Right. There were a lot of people in France's. But even for poor Georgia, I mean, I cannot imagine that she would be like she would have been there without a parent and a parent is in the same household bubble where social distancing wouldn't have been required. Like let her bring her mom into the green room at the very least. Maybe she's an orphan. We don't know. Oh God. Oh, I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) I could imagine that's, that just would be so much worse than her happening to be alone in the green room. Okay. Well, so Poor Georgia aside, uh, there were no awkward moments really with the hosting and their interactions with the Absolutely disappointed by that. Yeah. <laughs> Not me. The secondhand embarrassment uh like was in re- like relief because there were there were no moments where I had to like mute it and leave the room. Yeah. Um now one of the things I hate about adult Eurovision, I've complained about it at length before, the flag ceremonies. So mm. they did like a remote version of that. And I quite enjoyed it because I think it helped there was only 12 artists. Yeah. But they all had a message and actually something to say, which made it so much more interesting to watch than, you know, a drawn out flag ceremony with um, lots of people just walking out slowly, waving to the audience, um, you know, sort of a flag superimposed on the screen in the yeah. shape of a logo, whatever. Uh, it was less horrible to watch i didn't find it boring yeah i i do think that for me at least it being half the number of countries or let or less than the the usual number in adult eurovision definitely made a difference because you're right it usually goes on for so long but i do think that they handled that very well yeah i don't want to see um all um you know 
26 countries in the 2020 Eurovision final giving a message to Europe. Please, right. if anyone from Six the so EBU long. is listening, I don't, that is not a suggestion for adult Eurovision. Right. <laughs> please, just um, do not. Okay, let's talk about maybe the, um, like, introductory and halftime performances. Yeah, um... So, so um, remind me of the introductory performance. I can't remember now. That was um, last year's winner, Vicky. Of course. Yes. Yeah. Vicky and Gabor. we loved that song. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, like I said before, there's been accusations that Poland used bots to farm votes last year. No, that was just a legitimately good song, I think. I thought it was I, I, really I haven't listened good. to the other songs to compare it to, but, you know, out of context, I can see that song winning um, Junior Eurovision. Agreed. And then that performance, which we've already touched on very briefly, but the performance of Arcade, um, yes. where there were three performers. So there was Vicky, last year's winner of the yep. Junior Eurovision, and then... Uh, Duncan Lawrence, who won Eurovision 2019, if that was his song they are performing. And another uh, performer, I don't know anything about her, Roxana uh, Vergil? She must be a, like a well-known Polish performer. I, I would imagine so, yes. Yeah, well, that was an incredible performance. And I think that it is especially impressive when you know that Duncan was not there live. And so for them to have done such uh, a cohesive performance that really felt, um, you know, very in tune, very aligned, and have him not have been there live, like that, that was really good. Yeah, because at first I was sort of not paying 100% attention. I was making notes. Uh, get, trying to find out who the uh, third performer was because I couldn't, I wasn't paying attention. Basically, it's my own fault. Mm. Uh, and then I was thinking, hang on, they said about him not being able to travel, but he's there. Is he being green screened in? And then I found a tweet by Duncan saying, yes, they'd used augmented reality to superimpose him onto the stage with them. That is so cool. And um, and uh, much better done than the hologram of Kim Kardashian's dad that she had <laughs> at her, at her um, birthday party. I saw that recently and um, that looked kind of weird and creepy. Obviously, there being a difference that they had to like create him because he's not living. But like, you know what I mean? It's like they this was really um, hard to tell that it was... Uh, an augmented reality version of Duncan on that stage. It, it it was very seamless. It was only when you look closely at, I think, really his hair, you could sort of see the fuzziness around the corn, the edges. Mm. That was what gave it away. Yeah, even the reflection in the stage. Like, yeah. that's what made us question whether or not um, he was actually there because he had a reflection on the stage um, that made him look like he was there live. Like, I'm, I'm very impressed. Indeed. And then um, I think the maybe the last point to to talk about is the voting. Uh, yeah. So it was so fast. I loved it. It was. I mean, it is a consistent complaint of mine that the voting takes too long. It's too drawn out. It's it's um almost as long or or I mean longer in some cases than the actual performances. It just feels so drawn out. And this was exciting. It was fast. It um felt almost like a little chaotic um at times where I felt <laughs> like at the edge of my seat. Like it was boom, boom happening. Yeah, I mean those kids weren't drawing out their moments like yeah. the adults do. 
None of them sung the, the line from their favourite song, thankfully. <laughs> um, it was fast, and they just did the 12 points, and then they just showed the 10 to uh, 1 points. And yes. basically made no mention of it. It was rapid fire. So I it really was. appreciate that. I agree. And then the other thing that I, I really enjoyed about it, which, uh, you know, they it isn't in the uh, control of the producers of the show, but it just added to my viewing enjoyment, which was that it was a tight race and I didn't know who was going to win throughout. France definitely took an early lead. And I commented early on that I was surprised that France was doing so well. So, um, you know, like there did seem to be a bit of consistency in terms of France getting many of the 12 point votes, but it wasn't such a runaway um, lead that there wasn't the potential for someone to overtake them. And that really, it added to the viewing experience with there being some drama and some excitement about who was going to win. Yeah. Uh, why did Russia have a puppet pig? Do we know I don't yet? know. It was so weird. <laughs> <laughs> a puppet pig with no explanation why. I know. That's and I bizarre. That, is, is she a child ventriloquist? But then no, the pig and the child doing the who was a spokesperson spoke at the same time and yeah. i was completely confused as to why i mean if any russian listeners can explain why that happened maybe, that'd be great maybe this is a well-known pig in russia i mean like in canada i mean there are some puppets from children's shows that i would be able to like you know pick out in an instant maybe it was maybe it's something like that possibly yeah I mean, that would still be weird, don't get me wrong. Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> that, that would be like, you know, us bringing Gordon the Gopher on to announce results. Gordon the Gopher. Gordon I mean, the Gopher, in Canada, yeah. I, would, I would say it would be Casey and Finnegan would be the puppets that are most, <laughs> most well known. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time there's been a puppet at Eurovision. No? No. Ireland once entered a puppet for their entered song. A, they, they entered, entered a, puppet a puppet for to the contest? Yep. Oh, that's weird. That is that is uh, one that is lined up on our DNQ file uh, list of to-dos. Oh, I was just going to say, like, how did they do? But I think you've just answered that with it being <laughs> featured in the DNQ file. So, Indeed. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's all the points I have to make on the voting process because it was mostly uneventful. It was just nice and fast and it didn't drag. They did drag it out a bit at the end. Yeah, there was a point where I was like, just tell us already about the um, public vote for France. They dragged that out for a while. Um, but I mean, I definitely was excited. Like they, the suspense was, um, you know, like it was there. Yeah, I, I am gutted that neither of my two favorites won, but I'm not angry at France. It was a good song. Yeah, I'm kind of used to it, actually. I very often, um, I just as often pick the winner as I do not. So it's always sort of a bit of a crapshoot on my end. So, um, so, but I enjoyed it either way. It was a great show. Yeah. So that draws to a close our main season for the first season of Think About Eurovision. We've covered a movie what? about nine Eurovision Grand Finals. Yeah. And now two Junior Eurovision shows. Pretty good. Season one, that's a wrap. But I've mentioned it before, we've got a Christmas special coming out. Ooh. Um, so uh, uh, in December, we're going to be releasing a couple of episodes where we go over every single song that was entered for the 2020 
Eurovision Song Contest. And because we don't know where they placed, we're going to rate them ourselves. So this is going to be interesting because the way you rate the songs is so wildly different to mine. Yeah. If if I was going to do a, a vote with, you know, all Eurovision fans, it was going to be an open poll. I know roughly who I think the top five songs would be. But then you're going to come in. So it's just going to be me and you and our votes sort of, uh, our, our order sort of averaged out of how we place the songs. And you're going to be such an outlier, I think. <laughs> I didn't throw the curveball. Completely skew it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we're going to get an unpredictable winner, I think. Right. Okay. So we will be the two judges of uh, Eurovision 2020. And uh, we'll announce the winner in our special. Yes. Uh, and heads up, we are going to be drinking for that one, aren't we? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to get sloppy. Oh, yeah. I- I'm already, I'm, I think I'm going to make my Werther's original vodka to drink oh, with it. Yeah, that sounds delicious. Yes. It's a, it's my Christmas um, favorite drink. So you take some vodka, you take a heck load of Werther's originals. You put them together in a bottle and you shake it every now and then for a few days until they dissolve. Well, that sounds like a very, like, doable recipe. I might have to try that. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, (laughs) And I think that's going to be my drink of choice when we record that. Very good. Well, I'm looking forward to that. So uh, we'll announce then at a later date when those episodes will be released. Yes, we will. Perfect. Okay, well, looking forward to that. And thank you for another great discussion. And like, you know, cheers to you, Chris, for the end of our regular season, season one of Think About Eurovision. Indeed. How much fun was that? It's been great fun. What a way to get through all these lockdowns. I know, right? (laughs) A little bright spot in our uh, in our otherwise like quarantined existence this has been a really fun hobby so thanks so much and um, we'll be back with a Christmas special so stay tuned for that alright until next time thanks for listening bye bye la 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 la